Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode of the Joseph Rides Above series, Pastor Eric continues his sermons of the life of Joseph in Genesis. This message marks the turning point in Joseph's life as reconciliation begins between him and his brothers. Joseph's place of power was granted by God to work his perfect will. Though Joseph's brothers deserved wrath, they were given grace. Similarly, Christ gives us grace, though we do not deserve it. How do you respond to God's grace? Does it cause you to repent of your sin? And now, here's Pastor Eric. Well, the seasons are changing, aren't they? You got a taste of that this morning, especially outside. I was a little bit worried. I thought we would have to move it to the back and inside, perhaps, but it it made it festive, and uh, it's always neat to see the seasons change and the the colors and the different, the mums and all the great stuff that we love. Uh, seasons are changing, and here's a, a great a great truth when it comes to life: the seasons will change. Will that they will change. You can't stop it. It will become. I know we dread it. I thought I told my man I said I'm going to dread it this year. I can already feel it. I'm going to dread winter. I mean, it's just like I'm going to hate it. Oh, winter is going to be too cold for me, and I'm just. But the seasons will change. It won't stay winter. It'll be summer again, and we'll sweat to death again. I mean, the seasons will change. They did for Joseph, didn't they? And they will for us. And sometimes it's like, why? Why do we think they don't change? Why do we think they won't change? This is just a season in life, good or bad, whether you like it or don't. It's just one of life's seasons. And sometimes it's nice when seasons change. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to open to Genesis chapter 41 on the Black Pew Bible. That's around page 34 or 35 is where we'll be. If you don't have an ESV Bible and you'd like one, that's our free gift to you today, that Black Pew Bible to our guests. We also have a free candle for you in the back foyer in one of our candle baskets. Or if you'd like some Bath & Body Works hand sanitizer, it's there too. We're looking at Joseph, the great Old Testament character in the book of Genesis, who really points us to Jesus. I want us to review the flow of episodes. Now, we've called this series Rise Above. We see Joseph rising above his circumstances. And again, the songs that we sang this morning were totally fitting for everything that we've looked at. But I want to remind you of the flow of episodes. We're going to put that on the screen. We saw in chapter 37 how Joseph's life and the story, his account, which gets more attention than any of the other Old Testament characters, begins with disharmony. Chapter 37, disharmony with he and his brothers. Really, those 12 tribes. We saw the conflict, the the tension, the disharmony there. We began to look at the second episode of really the, the rising action, his rise to power, his rise to rule in chapters 39, 40, and 41 in Potiphar's house, also in Pharaoh's house. That's where we're going to pick up today. But then we see the turning point in chapters 42 through 47, and it's the reconciliation, the reunion that he has with his brothers. And we're going to begin to see that today. And then there's some following action, the kind blessing where Joseph is benevolent to them and he blesses others with life. And eventually the tension 
concludes with triumph, as most stories do. Everything's resolved and it leads us to harmony between he and his brothers. And uh, this is chapter 47 to 50. So let's pick up where we left off. A lot of scripture today, but perhaps it's better if you hear God's word than my word. We probably need to spend more time in it. We're going to look at Genesis 41, and I'm going to start reading in verse 37. Remember, Joseph is now interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, and he's told him there's going to be seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. And he says, you need to store something while you've got the chance. Verse 37 says, This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, Joseph, in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there's none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house. It's amazing, isn't it? This is his rise to power. And all my people shall order themselves as you command, only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen, different type of coat. And he put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, Bow the knee, or respect, or just different words of, of honor. Thus Pharaoh set Joseph over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name uh, Zephanath-Paniah, and he gave him in marriage uh, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh, and he went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly, and he gathered up all the food of these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and he put the food in the cities, the store cities. And he put in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. Let's pause there. We'll read a little and we'll talk a little. We see here Joseph's rise to rule, his rise to power. He has now become the vice president of the land of Egypt, of the nation of Egypt. He receives a ring, it's like a ring of power, right? The signet ring. He receives a coat, a chain. He receives a chariot, and he rides throughout the land. He has now risen from pit and prison to palace. Wow, the seasons have changed drastically, haven't they? God has been faithful and held him fast, and, and now all of a sudden he's risen to a great position of prominence. We would mark this. To whom much is given, much is expected. And that's true for Joseph, and that's certainly true for us. With great blessing comes great responsibility. If, if God has blessed Joseph in this way now, it's kind of like, what's he going to do with it? Is he going to manage it well? Is he going to manage it faithfully? How will he steward his blessing? How will we steward our blessing? 
right? To whom much is given, much is required, much is expected, right? And we've been given so much as Christians in America. How will we steward it? And so you may know the rest of Joseph's story, but we're left here of like, what what will Joseph do with, with this great position of power? So we're told that the dreams are interpreted correctly. There are actually seven years of abundance, and some of that food is saved and it's stored for the other seven years that are coming. Let's pick up reading where we left off in verse 50. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of Om, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. You may see a little footnote there. It says Manasseh sounds like the Hebrew for making to forget. The next, it says in verse 52, the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And that Hebrew word sounds like making fruitful. Bible says the seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, just like Joseph interpreted, and the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph has said. There was famine in all lands. But in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, go to Joseph. What he says to you, do it. So the famine had spread all over the land. Joseph opened all the storehouses, all the grain houses, everything that was in them, and he sold to the Egyptians for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph, to buy grain because the famine was severe all over the earth. It's Paul's right there. We're told that there are two sons that are born and they're significantly named by Joseph. Forget and fruitful because he says, God's made me forget all of the hardship, all of those seasons of pain and everything that's happened, my brothers and this and that. I mean, everywhere I've been and the story that I could tell, somebody should write a book about it. Bad joke. Um, And they did, right? Genesis, read it. Uh, Sorry. Too much, too many donuts, Alan. Too many donuts. Um, Now I'm totally lost. Oh, forget. And the other one was named Fruitful. Fruitful, right? Because Ephraim, God had made him fruitful. And he really was in this position that he's in. And there were seven years of famine. Again, just as was predicted and interpreted and and prophesied. Look at verse 57. It's the very last verse that we read. And it is so important. It's actually key. He said this, words, the writer, Moreover, all the earth, other nations, other people, it's, it's showing us something's about to happen. Everybody's coming to Egypt. And who are they coming to? Joseph to buy grain because the famine is, is worldwide. It's severe. Notice the position that Joseph has risen to. Joseph is now manager and he is in charge of food, which means he's in charge of life. Who is the one that gets to decide who gets the bread of life and who gets to eat and live and, and how much they get. Joseph. Joseph has risen to such an important position. Food giver, bread giver, life giver. So Joseph becomes a type of Savior, a type of life giver that points to Jesus because we know 
that Jesus is, that Jesus is the ultimate life giver. In John chapter 6, Jesus would say, I am the bread of life, right? Jesus is eternal provision. Jesus is eternal life. Now, Joseph had risen to a power where he could get temporary provision. He could provide temporary life, and he stewards that. Well, Jesus stewards eternal life and eternal provision, and I hope that you've gone to Jesus and you freely received the bread of life. Look at chapter 42. Let's read the first 17 verses. All of a sudden we shift back to Jacob. The scene is set. And what about Joseph's dad? He hasn't seen him in a long time. And verse 1 of chapter 42 says, When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you look at one another? You sit around, sitting around here playing video games in Fortnite and you're on your iPad. Well, you're looking at each other. We need some food. Get up, go. Verse 2. And he said, Behold, I've heard that there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there. Go south, go buy grain that we may live and not die. So start to notice these play on words, life and death. So key to the Old Testament. Go there so we can live and not die. So verse 3, Joseph's, Ten brothers, not Benjamin, ten of those brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob didn't send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel, Jacob, Israel, came to buy among the others who came for the famine was in the land of Canaan, where Jacob was. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. He's the life giver. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. They, not him. He's different in Egypt. He looks different. He's been cultured there. But he treated them like they're strangers. And he spoke roughly to them. Where'd you come from, he said. They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, you're spies. You've come to see the nakedness of the land. They said to him, no, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food. We're all sons of one man. We're honest men. Your servants have never been spies. He said to them, no, it's the nakedness of the land that you've come to see, our weakness, right? And they said, we're your servants, we are twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. Behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one, <laughs> Joseph, is no more. But Joseph said to them, It is, as I said to you, your spies. By this you shall be tested. It's key. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined that your words may be tested, whether there is truth in you, or else, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. Let's pause. We see that there were seven years of hardship. It comes to pass. The ten brothers are sent to Egypt for food. Now the second half of the account of Joseph is now going to deal with the brothers. The first part's very much been about Joseph, right? And the brothers have kind of fell absent. We've seen a whole lot about Joseph. Now we're going to start to see about the brothers who really represent the tribes of Israel. 
who really kind of in some way represent even, even you and I. We can see ourselves in them in some ways. But recall what we said on that very first sermon in the book of Genesis 37. We said in the account of Joseph, we see the 12 tribes and the nation of Israel because those brothers became the names of the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so they're sent down. So now we've made the shift in our diagram to now we, we begin to see the reconciliation and reunion section. And there are going to be three journeys that will be made. You could just kind of write that down. Starting in chapter 42, there's three journeys, and that 42 is the first one, and we'll see three, not today, but uh, over the course of our study. So we see Joseph's dreams are fulfilled. What dreams? The dreams of, of his brothers bowing down. What happens? The brothers bow. They come and they bow, verse 6, with their faces to the ground, bowing. Years of waiting. <laughs> the promise is finally fulfilled. Finally fulfilled. He remembers the dreams. He says, I didn't know when they would bow, but ten foreheads have now put their head faced on the carpet, right, in front of Joseph. And so we, we note this, that God's promises will be fulfilled. Always. God's promises are always fulfilled. His timing, not ours, right? But when He chooses... Boom, any day now, right? It, it, it will come to pass. Joseph does the two R's. He recognizes and remembers. He recognizes them. He remembers things. He remembers the dreams. He remembers the treatment. Wow. So can you imagine what this must be like for Joseph? All these various meetings and encounters that he's going to have, even when Benjamin finally gets there, if you know the story. Can you imagine how emotional this must have been for Joseph? Like all the emotion of like, you like I mean, so just wow, we would be an emotional wreck. I would. We would be an emotional wreck. Sometimes in our family, we get, you know, it's like we have these emotional things that play out. And these are emotional moments for Joseph. What does he do? Well, he tests them. And we left off in verse 17 where he imprisons them for three days. I like what one commentator says. He says, Joseph shows severity but affection. And that's true. And you see it later on. He really acts out of affection, but he shows severity. Why? Because he has to test them. Are they remorseful? Will they pass this test? How, do they, how are they going to handle things? So just like they threw him into the pit, <laughs> he throws them in to prison for three days. And guess what? They're forced to think. They're forced to talk. There's nothing there. They're forced to, to, to all of a sudden begin to have some conviction and process some things. Let's see how it plays out. Let's pick up verse 18. On the third day of that, them being in prison, Joseph said to them, Do this, and you will live, for I fear God. That's key. If you are honest men, I'm testing you, let one of your brothers, just one, remain confined where you are in custody and let the rest go. Carry grain for the famine of your households. He's showing affection. And bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, in truth, we're guilty. They're talking to themselves, these brothers. We're, we're guilty concerning our brother. 
And that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us from the pit and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? Right? Don't kill him, but throw him in the pit. But you didn't listen. So now, this is their interpretation of things, why it's happening. Now there comes a reckoning for his blood. They didn't know that Joseph understood them. They're speaking to each other in Hebrew, right? For there was an interpreter between them, but Joseph turned away. He knew that language from them and wept. Mike could circle that. And he returned to them and he spoke to them and he took Simeon from them and he bound him before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace affection, every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey and this was done for them. Then they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed. And as one of them... Those brothers opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place. He saw his money in the mouth of his sack. He said to his brothers, my money has been put back. Here it is in the mouth of my sack. And their hearts failed them. And they turned trembling to one another saying, what is this that God has done to us? Not the VP of the land. Let's pause. They meet with Joseph, right? And I told you this key verse, the third day Joseph has this plan for them and he says something that's so important. He says, do this and you will live for I fear God. Fear God. Can we just make this note here? Even in a foreign land, Joseph remained faithful. Even in a foreign land, Joseph grew closer to the Lord. Will you? Bible says we're in a foreign land. We're strangers and pilgrims. We're elect exiles. Our citizenship is in heaven. Even in this foreign land, we should remain faithful and not forget God, but fear God. Joseph and all the things that happened, it would have been really easy to go, you know what? I like this Egyptian thing. I got a ring. I got a chain. I got a coat. I got a chariot, right? It's like a Tesla. I mean, well, for my son. Um, I'm not a big Tesla person. But, you know, I've got all this, and Egypt's treated me pretty well, so why not just adapt to their gods? I like this culture. This is pretty nice. they got lots of gods I can pick from. I'll just do that. Even in a foreign land, he was faithful. I know I fear God, right? For us, there's a lot of glitter out there, right? But all that glitters isn't gold, you know? Faithful. He's faithful. I fear God. I fear God. Well, look down. I, I, I love verse 21 and 22 as the brothers respond. They said to one another, we're guilty. We, we, Joseph begged from the pit. We didn't listen. This is why this has happened. Reuben said, I told you so. This is now a reckoning for our blood. What, what's happening right here? The brothers respond and what are they thinking? Retribution. You know what retribution is? Divine payback. That's what, what it means. God's wrath against sin. It's retribution. They're thinking that this is happening because of our sin way back when we're guilty of our brother's blood. This is divine payback. And you know what this is? This is the beginning of the conviction of long buried sin. That's a good thing. Some of us like to bury our sins. We've never really confessed them and repented, but we've just buried them where we forget about And it needs to come forth. And so Joseph is testing them and what God's doing is he's bringing back that old sin so they can have conviction, so they can confess it, and so that they can repent and there can be reconciliation and restoration. It's beautiful, isn't it? 
I told you here that Joseph weeps. I said you may want to circle that. The reason is, is because there are seven, name them, seven scenes where Joseph weeps. Some of our men today, men don't cry. Joseph does seven times. <laughs> it's emotional for him, right? This is the first one. You could find the other. Who is it that's taken among those brothers and imprisoned? None other than Simeon. I think that's so fitting because he was the rough instigator of the brothers. Do you know who was one of the guys that went and, to Shechem and killed all the men who were circumcised? It was Simeon. He was a rough, tough guy. He was brutal. He, he, he did that. Levi went with him on that journey. Who was it that said, let's kill him that day in Genesis 37? It was Simeon. And very appropriate to take the rough instigator who's kind of behind all this and say, yeah, buddy, it's going to be you, Simeon. You're going to stay right here while everybody else goes back. And so they go back. What's Joseph desiring? He wants to see his brother, right? The, the, the brother that he shares from the same mother, Joseph and Benjamin. It's the reason Jacob doesn't let Benjamin go. He thinks, I've already lost Joseph uh, uh, of the wife that I loved, and now I don't want to lose Benjamin, but Joseph wants to see Benjamin. Go get him. He's testing the brothers. And so this is what I note here. Do you know what Joseph is doing? He's showing patience in dealing with the whole situation. The whole, it's chapters and it's going. There is so much patience shown by Joseph. I think, would we show that kind of patience? Will we show patience in, in, in dealing with it? I mean, I would have jumped right to it and been like, brothers, I, you're blah, 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 blah. I'd have just, whoa, Joseph is going to do something and he's just going to be real patient and let them get Benjamin and let Benjamin come back and he's going to meet with them again. He's going to be really patient in letting things play out. And sometimes I'm not that patient. The brothers were tested. And they're going to prove to be remorseful. And one of the things that we're going to see about Joseph is this, is that he does not take revenge. He does not. The question begs us, would we have taken revenge? Would we have taken revenge? Will we take revenge? Will Joseph take revenge? He does not. What does he do? He returns their money. He spends on them. He lavishes upon them. He says, we'll take this out of Egypt's cost. You got grain, you got provisions, I'm even returning your money. He spends and lavishes on his brothers. He doesn't have any revenge for them. He wants to bless them. Guess what? Jesus Christ does this for us, doesn't He? Christ does this for us too. He spends His blood and He lavishes His grace upon us. He says, grace and grace, I don't give you what you deserve. I'm going to lavish, I'm going to fill you with the blood of the Lamb and all the bread and the, you don't thirst and come to me and... I'll lavish my graces, riches in Christ Jesus. See the book of Ephesians? That's beautiful. Look at verse 28. Let's read there through the end of the chapter. I told you a lot of Scripture, but that's good. It's God's words. He said to his brothers, one of them, my money's been put back. Here it is in the mouth of my sack. At this their hearts failed them. And they turned trembling to one another, saying, not what is it that the VP of the land has done or the servants. They interpret, like, this is a God thing. God has done this to us. God, this is our sin. They're, they're being convicted. Verse 29. When they came, when they returned to Jacob, their father in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, the man, the Lord of the land, spoke roughly to us, and he took us to be spies of the land. But we said to him, we're honest men. We've never been spies. We're 12 brothers, sons of our father. One is no more. The younger is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, by this, I shall know that you're honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the famine of your households. Go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you're not spies, but honest men. 
and I'll deliver your brother to you and you shall trade in the land. Remember, this is another retelling section. We looked at those twos from last Sunday. Verse 35, As they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. And Simeon is no more. And now you would take Benjamin? All this has come against me. Then Reuben said to his father, he, he speaks up, kill my two sons if I don't bring him back to you. Put Benjamin in my hands. I'll bring him back to you. But he said, my son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead and he's the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you're to make, you would bring my gray hairs down to Sheol with sorrow. With Paul's there. As we read verse 28, you see the brothers blaming God. What is this that God has done to us? They assume it's judgment. It's actually quite the opposite. It's not judgment, is it? It's grace. Sometimes we look at God and go, God, what are you doing? God's going, I'm not. You're interpreting this in a totally different. You're interpreting this as judgment. This is in all actuality grace. You just need a perspective change. You get down to verse 36 and you notice Joseph's response. And I, I just thought about this. Was Simeon really no more? Was Joseph really no more? Now he thought he was. Was Simeon really no more? Gone? Dead? Was Joseph no more? Gone? Dead? No, no, no. What's, what's Jacob again doing right here? He's favoring a son again. Who's he favoring? Benjamin. And he seems to write Simeon off in my perspective. And now Simeon is dead. Well, he ain't dead. Send Benjamin back. You'll get Simeon. Now you're favoring another son. You're, you're writing him off. Man, your perspective, Jacob, you need, it needs adjusting too. It's, you're, it's all about you and your sorrow. And you, you didn't, you, you know, things could be different. Who steps up? Reuben. Reuben steps up. He did in chapter 37. He does again. Reuben even says, put my two sons as collateral. If I don't take care of my, my brother Benjamin, you can, you can kill my two sons. It's pretty big. And what does Jacob say? No, no, not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. One second, we're going to be done. Verse 14. Verse 14. Uh, excuse me. Uh, verse chapter 43, 1 through 14. And we're done. Now, we just need to see this. Now the famine was severe in the land. And when they had eaten the grain that they had bought from Egypt, their father said to them, go again. Number two, second journey. You got to go again. It's severe famine. We're out. You have to go again. Buy us a little food. But Judah, who was the one that said, don't leave him in the pit. Who was the one that said, send him into slavery. Sell him to the slaves. It was Judah. That day in chapter 37, it was Reuben and Judah who stepped up to, to keep everybody from killing him. Simeon would have had him killed. Here, Reuben and Judah are the two that step up again. But Judah said to him, verse 3, The man solemnly warned us. The VP, the CEO of the land, told us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you'll send our brother with us, Dad, we'll go down and buy you food. If you'll not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. Israel, Jacob, said, why did you treat me so badly as to tell the man that you had another brother? They replied, the man questioned us carefully about ourselves and our kindred, saying, is your father still alive? Do you have another brother? What we told him was an answer to these questions. 
could we in any way know that he would say, bring your brother down? And Judah said to Israel, his father, send the boy with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die. It's a total play on live and die. Both we and you and also our little ones. I, Judah stepping up, Reuben just, now Judah stepping up, I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I don't bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If we'd not delayed, we could have been there twice now, right? Now would have returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, if it must be so, then do this. Some of the choice fruits of the land, put those in your bags and carry a present down to the man, a little balm, a little honey, gum, myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Those are good things. Take double the money with you. Pay for last time, pay for this time. Carry back with you the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take also your brother and arise. Go to the man. May El Shaddai, may God Almighty grant you, here's a key word, mercy before the man. May he send back your other brother, Simeon, and Benjamin. As for me, if I'm bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. You, you got to live, right? So the men took this present and they took double the money with them and Benjamin, they arose, they went down to Egypt and they stood before Joseph. We're going to pause and end there for today. Judah steps up. And I love that because you know the tribe that ultimately steps up for our salvation? It's the tribe of Judah. You know the tribe that Jesus comes from? It's not the tribe of Joseph. That'd be Ephraim and Manasseh. A different lesson for a different day. But Christ comes from the tribe of Judah. Judah is the tribe that stepped up, the Messiah coming and saying, I'll take care of them. I'll take care of their salvation. It's on me, Christ Jesus. Benjamin and the brothers return. Uh, we see Jacob's words. We see the gifts that he's going to give and he's going to give double payment. And verse 14 is the blessing he gives on them. It's the prayer. And he says in verse 14, May El Shaddai give you mercy, compassion, loving kindness before the man. And I just pray that things go well for you. Well, Next week we'll see it, but on down in verse 30 of chapter 43, we see these words. When Joseph hurried out, he had to cry. He had to find a place to weep because verse 30 says, for his mercy grew warm for his brother. His compassion, his loving kindness grew warm. They found all of that in Egypt, in Joseph. And so we end today with this rise to rule and the reconciliation and the reunion starting to take place and there's so many different applications for us. Let's just hit on a few as we close and point to Christ. Much of the Old Testament, especially Deuteronomy, and is about this, life and death, blessings and curses. If you'll choose life, you'll live. If you'll choose this way of blessing, it's the way of life. And we see this, that God had gone before them to Egypt Jacob thought that those ten brothers, he was sending them to Egypt, but God had gone before them. 
God had gone before Joseph, before the ten brothers, and God was doing something. What was He giving His people? Life and blessing in the strangest of ways. God was going to give life. God was going to give blessing. And that was the way that He was going to do it and save His people and, and get them in Egypt. Another great truth that we point out in the text today is this, is that Joseph is the means of life. He gives life to Egypt. He gives life to his brothers. He gives life to... Israel. Joseph is a means of life. He's also a means of grace. There's grace shown by Joseph. There's grace at work in the brothers' hearts. And so we end by saying that's Jesus. Jesus is life. Jesus is grace. Jesus has gone before us and He's accomplished our salvation. All we need to do is just trust Him in life's journey. Trust Him through the changing of the seasons. God has a plan and He's gone before us and He's giving He's given life and He's doing something and He's for us and He's accomplished our salvation. We need only trust Him. We love Him and we trust Christ Jesus the bread of life. He makes us forget all of our sins and hardships. He makes us fruitful in Christ. We have a great inheritance. So let's give our lives to Him once again afresh. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.